Good evening, everyone. Welcome to your latest Wolves Fancast match preview. Um, if you've forgotten who I am, I'm Little Dan. I haven't been doing the show for the last couple of months. I'm absolutely uh, buzzing to be back on the show tonight after Sunday's um, f- uh, fantastic win at the Swamp over West Bromwich Albion uh, to, uh, you know, just uh, proclaim as pride of the black country again after so many years. It's um, It's been a long time coming. On tonight's show, I've got with me Jeffo. Uh, Andy and Tom Baker's joined us again, who were uh, joined us previously on the uh, Match Fancast. The latest news that's come out of Molyneux today is the imminent signing um, of Noah Lamina. Uh, we did release a picture of him holding the um, the wool shirt earlier on. You can see it on screen there with a few family members. Um, it is expected that he'll only be in the academy as a, as a start-off point, but obviously with the um, experience and sort of help that his brother Mario Lamina will hopefully provide him. It could be a future star. What's your thoughts on the uh, Noah Lamina signing, Andy? I think it's great to have a young lad in when his old brother's here to help him through the the murky world of Premier League football. Like you couldn't have a better grounding really than having your big brother here, especially when that big brother is someone who has really sort of ingratiated himself into the local area. So I think it's a really good signing. I've heard good positive things. Obviously, I haven't seen anything of him, but like the future looks bright here. So fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully. Obviously, his, his brother has, has been one of the better signings of the um, the Faustin era in the last sort of two years. Tom, what's your thoughts on on Noah? Uh, to be fair, I haven't seen much of him, but what I would say is he probably gives kudos to how highly Lamina thinks and how well he's settled at the club, if you see what I mean. Because for him to say to his younger brother, come, get settled, be together, you know what's happened with his dad and all that, it probably, for me, I mean, look how good Lamina is, right? So it probably shows how committed Lamina is to the club and what an opportunity for him um, to, put, to develop. But as I say, I haven't actually seen him play that much. I don't know. Have you, have you done it all? Or? No, I'm, I'm not even going to try and um, blag my one up. Like my way out of this is obviously come with a bit of a pedigree. He hasn't mm. really had the greatest loan spell in in in, in Italy, has he? Jeff over with Noah no. Lamina, but obviously he's got a bit of um, potential if he was on PSG's books. Jeff, over, no, no, it's. I mean, he comes in with a you know a, a background. He did well when he was in France. Italy's difficult it, it, for any young player to go and play and and develop and, but. He comes in now. He's obviously been announced in the last sort of ten minutes or so. So it looks to me on paper like it's he's done the club have done something for Mario, um, especially with everything you know. As you say, Tom has happened with the family in the last couple of uh, months, especially with everything with their with their dad and and so bringing him in is it's a no brainer. It's it's low risk. If he does well, we sign him for a pittance really in in this in this day and age, and. The two guys are together. They can support each other through a difficult time. And the club have done the right thing, um, especially from a welfare welfare point of view. So hats off to them for that and big applause for them. Hmm. Yeah, hopefully it'll uh, come in as a good transfer when we look on this in a in a few years' time. But let's talk about last Sunday's game for a few moments because, as I said, I haven't been on the fan cast for a while. I've not been on a review show for God knows how many years now. It's, it's felt like Andy... 
you were sort of a, a young nipper like myself when we last won there in 1996. Talk about your day and your feelings over that win on Sunday. Uh, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Like, I feel like I remember that Hugh and Roberts, uh, Ewan Roberts at trick like it was yesterday because it's literally all we've had to hang on for what, 28 years, was it? Is it? Is that how it works out? To? Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. So to go there and not really have to get out of second gear either, it was just incredible. Like the whole event of the day, I mean, I know we had that bit of a sour patch towards the end, but the fans were in good voice, regardless of what dickheads on Twitter want to say about it. All you could hear was the Wolves fans on, on the ITV coverage. It was exciting. It was uplifting. It felt like we put that demon to bed somewhat and we can move on in, and enjoy the rest of the season now. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. I'll talk about my experience of the day uh, in a moment. Tom, obviously you watched it in Wolverhampton. Uh, was it the the Hangar or the Astoria? The Astoria, yeah. Um, what can I say about the day? It's probably, I don't want to... I don't want to get too overexcited. It's probably got to be in the top five days of my life ever. <laughs> um, I just, I, look, I know we're on two different trajectories technically as a club. Um, but as you say, that length, 26 or 28 years or however long it was, um, and the passion, the rivalry, um, and you know what it's like. You go to school with you know, Baggies fans, you grow up around Baggies fans. Um, and I went to school in Warsaw, so they tended to be a lot more Albion, villain, etc. So there's just that little fire inside me that, you know, slightly outnumbered. And look, we're Wolverhampton born and bred. So to go to their ground, from in my opinion, boss of the game, because they never really looked like they were going to score. They just did a lot of huff and puff. And then for the uh, the Neto the Neto goal, the breakaway, and for Doherty to slide. I'm reliving it in my head. Well, I know that 2 a.m., Hangover probably left me about two hours ago because uh, Tommy got overexcited. But um, definitely my top five days of all time. Just absolutely loved it. Slightly tarnished. I know with the crowd trouble, but look, the media take that. That's all they're going to talk about and escalate that. There was a lot, a lot of good points about that. And I think for the local community to get the buzz um, and everything like that. And for kudos to Gary O'Neill as well, because it's been... You know, it's been a little bit of a kind of, you know, where are we going, what we're doing, we're lost, kind of. Now we're playing exciting football. Now we're back on track and we beat the bloody Albion as well. So, love it. Just give me a mental semi there, Tom, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> looking at <laughs> just, just looking back at that uh, that squad lineup there, um, Jeff Owen. Obviously, those um, those soldiers that um, our match day designer Kieran Moon at Moon AI on on Twitter and moneyai.dzn on on Instagram. Just just talk about your day, how much it meant to you that we got that win over the um, the shite. I mean, it's huge, and it? I mean, it just lives with us forever. And the thing is, when we should have done it, when we had, when the COVID season, we should have smashed them. Then we were so much better as a squad. And it's just frustrating that we couldn't we couldn't do it, and we you know we didn't pick up a win in those, either of those two games. And for us to come and do it in their own backyard. And they still thought they could do it. They still, in, even the answer themselves, thought that they could still do us over. That's a lot of bullshit. We're so much better. Gary O'Neill is just this most... For, for a man who shouldn't be as inspirational as, as he is, is, is somebody who carries himself in such a fantastic way and inspires people to lift themselves up and play and to fight and to, you know, 
these players now, they are passionate to wear the shirt. And, you know, you've got people like Kilman who, you know, who, you know, we bought him into the club, but he's still growing up around the club. You know, you've got Doherty's been and come back. You know, Jose Sarr, who's a complete nutcase, who who absolutely gives everything when he's involved on that pitch. You know, you've seen the gifts and videos of him thumping the air. It just makes you passionate and proud to be a Wolves fan again. And just little moments like this. I don't say little moments, it's not a little moment, but it's, it's a little tiny microcosm, everything that's good about the club at the moment. Just makes you want to scream the fact that you're a Wolves fan again. And I, just, I can't be more happy and proud to wear the badge and to tell people about the club. I think that's one of the main things for me as a Wolves fan at the moment is how much I'm enjoying this group of players on this in this new cycle that we're within. Um, there doesn't seem to be any sort of marquee players. I know Cunha cost um, more than what Albion's worth in, in today's market as a club. But there doesn't, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a sort of a, an, an ego within this club. They all seem to be pulling in the in, in the same direction. There's a resilience you've seen in previous years when we've gone 1-0 down. If we were to scrape a 1-1 draw, we would have been pleased with that. But even at 1-0 down, now you still fancy us to, to get a good result out of it, not just a, a draw, but you fancy us to go I want to win the game. You look at Brentford away in the FA Cup, down to 10 men for 80 plus minutes. And for me, I still think we should have won that game with the, with the chances and the pressure that we put on yeah. um, that Brentford side on the night. Um, just talking about sort of my day on Sunday, um, just an unreal day from start to finish. Got in the Ogs at eight o'clock. Had a few Southern Comforts before we'd even um, left Wolverhampton. Was already a bit tipsy by the time we got to, to West Brom. You see the sort of the the flood of old gold as you, you get off the coaches and whatnot. I said hello to a few policemen, like West Midlands Police asked, I thought see how they were getting on, as, as we were told to do. Um, I, I did a bit of a um, Steve Collins, uh, Chris Eubank back in the day when um, when we was in the ground, like half an hour to kick off and then they're the, the showing all the old um, West Brom goals, past Wolves over the years. Just got my back to the screen, just deafening it out. I wasn't giving them an inch on Sunday. Come come full time when we got the victory, <laughs> I was literally emotionally spent. I didn't even have one alcoholic drink after the game on Sunday because I literally put in the hard yards during that match. I was tapping people on the shoulder, slapping them on the back at half-time, saying, come on, we ain't won this yet, keep getting behind the lads. Um, Neto's goal was just an unreal moment. I've, I've mentioned to a few people now, I was uh, I was, was going to say I was sat in row C, I was stood in row CC, I'm in row A for both goals. I'm, you, you, there's one video where you see me flying down the stairs and literally a, a dawn of Traore pace, row CC to row A in nine <laughs> seconds. Um, the Cunha goal was just an absolute unreal moment that celebration is literally gonna live long in history i must have done it about 15 times to the albion fan at work today on my um, return to work because i had monday off um it's it's been a it's been an emotional few days but like i said it was just so it was more an air of relief on top of excitement when i came into work um yesterday because going into work if we would have lost that game like jeff i said just that they, they genuinely believe they had a chance and you know, it's still 11 versus 11, but I genuinely thought going into that match, if Neto and Cunha played a 7 out of 10 each, we'd easily win that game. And like Andy mentioned, we kept them at arm's length for the majority. I think we defended pretty well. I never really felt like their goal was coming. Um, and you look at the stats, we're, we're really good at defending 
our 18 yard box. So I'm just I just want to say I just want to say thanks to Gary because he's a top bloke. I want to say thanks to the players because that that win on Sunday, like I said, it, it's it's up there. The the demon of five one, the ghost of three 0 at Molyneux. That's that's quash now. All, all, all I'll do to you Wolves fans out there is implore you, do not let them forget Sunday. Any content you see, whether it's Wolves Fancast, Talking Wolves, Dazzling Day, Wolfpack, 77 Club, keep retweeting it. Keep throwing it down their faces on Twitter because they've had 12 years of giving it large to our faces. It's time to pay the piper. Ready to stand up and salute. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is the Wolves Fancast in association with Audi Shoot Music Promotions and the Boston Coffee Company. It's time to talk about um, tomorrow's game um, at home to Man United. Gary O'Neill in today's press conference revealed that Pablo Sarabia um, is now fit and he'll be available for the game tomorrow. Ryan, Ryan Nori, who returned up from uh, the AFCON off the bench on Sunday, is likely um, to feature as he's uh, yeah, 100% fit, Gary O'Neill says. And obviously, Jao Gomez. Um, will be making his return as a suspension. There's just going to mention a couple of comments uh, from the people who join us on live on YouTube. Russell Baker's mentioning who thought uh, Dan would be the guy to pull you from the grasp of the authority. Um, just a yeah, quick story. Cunha scores Mexic 2-0. I've run from CC to Railway. I see my good friend Russell being um, accosted by stewards because he's been a naughty boy and crossed the barrier. I pull him <laughs> back in with these absolute guns. But the stewards have got him around the throat. I go, let him go. And for some reason, the steward let him go. Um, yeah, a, a moment, Russell, Russell's still got to pay me back. Uh, D Mars is talking about Kilman's celebration for Cunha's goal was the most emotion I've ever seen him show. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, Kilman was my man of the match on Sunday. Who was your man of the match on Sunday, Tom? Oh, good question. Go to someone else. Let me have a think because I want to get his spot on. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it was. It was a. It wasn't a yeah. great game technically for for the neutral. Was it? like I said, I, th- I think we kept we kept them at arm's length. We defended well. We we broke well when we had the opportunities. I never really felt that their goal was coming. That there was always going to have quite a few corners and you know what I might long, say long in the box. Tommy, Tommy Doyle Tom was, was it was exceptional on on Sunday. We did put the his stats out. Um, on the review show on Sunday, 100% tackles won, 84% pass uh, completion, two interceptions, one key pass. He did literally run the midfield on Sunday, Tom. To do that as well, I mean, I know, look, look, he's from Man City, right? So he's obviously got something about him. But to do that at the Hawthorns, do you know what I mean? Like with that atmosphere, to be in the centre of the pitch is arguably probably the hardest, you know, and the most influential on the pitch. Yeah, Tommy Dore, Tommy Dore for me. What about you, Andy? I completely agree with uh, Tom, to be honest. I thought Tommy Doyle was fantastic. You're right, like the fact that he's in a bit of a cauldron, he's up in that corner taking corner kicks, getting bottles of piss thrown at him and what have you. And he just sort of has this grin on his face, like, I'm going to make you pay for this. And he did. He put in a hell of a performance. Barely put a foot wrong all game. He was outstanding. And for four and a half million with whatever sell-on clause we've got, that's going to be a steal for us. Yeah, obviously Man City have got a 50% sell-on clause um, with that transfer deal. But like you said, for that flat transfer fee and, and in today's market, if he does go on to to join a, another club who, who may be potentially hiring us in, in the division in two to three years' time, you're looking 20, 30 million for a centre, mil, centre midfielder of that calibre. Obviously, England midfielder, he was in the... 
under 21 squad that won the last tournament as well. Mm. So, mm. like I say, he's, he's got potential to be an, 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 an unreal signing from a, a transfer value, paying for paying signing. Uh, Jeff, how these two have gone for Tommy Doyle as man of the match? I went for Max Kilman. Where does your vote go? Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. I'd probably go Max Kilman. I thought he looked the most uh, sure he's probably ever looked. Um, he looked the most more most like a leader he's ever looked. And he looked, as I think as said in the, the comments by Dean, I think he looked the most passionate he has in the wall shirt. And to see him do what he did and play the way he did, unreal. I mean, it does. I mean, Andy, you know this like better than most here. For me to give Max Kilman this much praise after all these years, <laughs> he Very is true. for me really coming to the, the the forefront now of being a a well worthy leader. People at the start of the season saying they needed more of a shouting man after slating Connor Cody for being a shouting man the last eighteen months or whatever it was. Um, he, he's really doing the job as a captain now, and obviously he's got Craig Dawson next to him who's. You know, he's theoretically captain material, isn't he? The way he leads on the pitch and his organisation skills. But what more has Max Kilman got to do in England call-up, Andy? I think it was, uh, I think Gully said it the other day, the issue that he faces is England are very much a system team and they will just bring in the next player ready for the system. And I don't know if Kilman is going to fit that particular system. I think... He would rather go with someone who's got a Man United appearance or, you know, one of the big teams as well. I think being a Wolves player probably does hold him back somewhat. I mean, you look at Cody, who for a long time was one of the best centre of three, and he barely got a kick for England. It was ridiculous. So I wonder if that plays into Southgate's thinking. But you are right. He deserves a chance at least to show what he can do in an England shirt because... Even though he still gets a bit of abuse, I don't get it because he has been exceptional for us. He's been as good as any other defender in this league this season. Yeah, I, I think I do fall into that sort of category of Wolves fan. I don't know what the terminology of it is, but if his name was, you know, Maximiliano Kilmanovic Kil, Kil or whatever, I'd, I'd, be, I'd have been writing him years ago. But, you know, play, players from the academy just don't seem to have that je ne sais quoi when it comes to me. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm wrong for doing that, but... He's really come to the forefront there, and hopefully, um, he's captain for a good few more years to come. Because if I believe if he's still captain at Wolves in the next two three years, we're still on a good trajectory. Because I think if he gets the opportunity to go to a good side, he's willing to relinquish the captaincy, which means he's got to have joined a good side in order to to relinquish that for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's get back to tomorrow's game because um, Stu in the comments section has asked: Are Man United as much as are uh, as much of a joke now as the Liverpool Spice Boys were? This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flattered to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on, but when you do that it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, 
better help can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. The 90s, um, they played um, <laughs> Newport County in the um, FA Cup last week and... Um, Came through a bit of a tough test in the end, winning 4-2 after being 2-0 up and being pulled back to 2-2. You look at the squad that they put out there, um, Jeff, not really many of their starting line missing apart from maybe, I mean, who, I mean, Anana really. That's as strong as they possibly can be at the moment, apart from maybe Mm. Rashford. But you look, you've heard the stories coming out of United over the last week about him partying in Belfast on a on a school night. Are they becoming a bit of a joke like Liverpool were in the 90s, Jeffo? I was talking to somebody about it today, weirdly enough, and uh, I just look at them and I just think since... I mean, it's easy to point and put a, a point in history for United of where they changed. But since Ferguson gone... They just haven't had identity, and the problem is now that they have. They're bringing managers who, through the through the years, who wanted to do things. The only person they bought in 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 terms of management who could actually put an identity on a club from top to bottom is really only Louis Van Gaal, and they they didn't stick with him. And he's probably the most successful manager that they've had since Ferguson was gone um, in terms of bringing trophies in and putting success, and just having something that from the top to the bottom of the club, where they can bring players through and have something to be passionate about, which is what the United model was through the late 90s and early 2000s. And and bringing in players in that sort of 8 to 10 to 12 million pound price bracket who did amazing, like Evra, Vinich, you know, who were able to, you know, perform above and beyond and to improve the club. They haven't done. And having sort of, any sort of like bringing through an identity from under 21s through to the first team has just been lost. United are just a club who just buy the most expensive players they can and just field whatever team because at the end of the day, they've not bought in a, a group of players who can perform together. And Ten Hag is trying to do something, but to do what he wants to do, he has to rip up what Solskjaer did and everyone that came before that because they're still there. And Okay, getting rid of De Gea was the first step, but De Gea is such a goalkeeper a level above a Bonana. So to take three steps forward, he's took ten steps back. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think the the, the big statement that um, still stands out for me from a Manchester United point of view is Jose Mourinho saying finishing second with Man United is one of his biggest managerial achievements because Man United, for me as a club at the moment, they, they are still that, Old saying that you know that the fish rots, rots from the head. Obviously, Ineos have now come in, brought a bit of a um, you know a, a shareholding of Man United away from the Glazers, which be interested to see where Man United go as a club now. But I just they haven't got that air now. Have they? Teams go to Old Trafford and, and back themselves to win. Whereas back in like the nineties, it was like if you could get you know lose two 0 it was a good result. But f- for me tomorrow, I think if Wolves can be professional. And keep to the same sort of um, intensity that we've shown since the, the back end of November or December. For me, we should be winning this game tomorrow, Andy. Yeah, completely agree. I think Jafo put it right with Man United. They've turned into 
Well, and Stu, actually, his point about Liverpool, they've turned into a side who will just spend money on a big-name player because he's a big-name player, even though he doesn't necessarily fit into the ethos of Man United. So we're so far away from that Ferguson era of Man United that arrogance that they used to go to places with is just completely eroded. They look like a team of individuals. And when you look through the team they've got there, most of those players would probably get into you know, at least 15 out of the remaining 19 teams in the Premier League. There's some <clears> decent <throat> players in there, but absolutely nothing to fear about them because they've got no cohesion whatsoever. So, yeah, I looking at tomorrow, I'd be disappointed if we don't get a win, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Neil Lewis in the comments section says, this is the one, lads, vengeance, vengeance is on. It's still a bit of a sore point, isn't it, um, Tom? That first game of the season away at Old Trafford coming away with... Um, Zero points after the Onana challenge on on Sasha, and you know yeah. we missed some big chances that night. I'm still perplexed how Cunha missed the one chance where he hit the post. Yeah, but like 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 Neil said there in the comments, um, good chance for vengeance tomorrow. Yeah, I went, I was there, and I can remember because it was a couple of days after Gary, you know, Gary O'Neill. I'm thinking, oh god, here we go, Gary O'Neill. What's the future got for us? We're at Old Trafford and have our tummies tickled. I remember getting there within like the first 10 or 15 minutes. I'm like looking looking at my friend and I'm like, what's going on? Look, we don't, we don't look too bad. Um, easily, easily that day, the better team. The 09 thing was was a complete um, joke. But Man United, culturally, sometimes it makes me think he's having an all-powerful manager like Fergie was. Because you see these clubs and I always think, give the manager everything they want. Give them, you know, you've got to back the manager, let them have full control. But sometimes when you look at these like Fergie and the Wenger and they've got all this power from top to bottom when they leave, it does take clubs four, five, six years to actually bring it round from the top to the bottom. But Man United have just evidently not been able to do that. They've got players on huge contracts £300,000 a week. And when you've got Casemiro and Ferran, which, yes, they are Champions League winners, but are they the kind of are they the kind of Fergie signing or that kind of player that's going to kind of give their all, you know, to me, and run themselves into the ground or they're just coming for an easy payday? Um, so, yeah, it would be nice to sit, stick it back up them because I remember walking out the ground in typical United, you know, just giving it large, like, yeah, we're always going to win, etc., etc. when really... First game of the Gary O'Neill era, we were so, so close and arguably we were better and arguably we should have won the game. So I've got 2-1 tomorrow. 2-1, I reckon, definitely. Yeah, we are a completely different beast, aren't we, Jeff? from the team that started that opening game of the season. From a um, sort of tactical point of view on tomorrow's game, You'll see on the screen there, for, obviously for the audio listeners, I've put João Gomez in centre midfield in place of Tommy Dore, but this is just me hoping for a, not hoping just believing that Jao Gomez brings a bit more intensity obviously Tommy Doyle had one of his best games in a Wolves shirt on Sunday he got absolutely soiled by Jed Wallace and had a bit of, was struggling towards the end of that game and I think playing Thursday and then away on Sunday to Chelsea I'd rather have Tommy Doyle um, away at Chelsea on Sunday what's your opinions on the the centre midfield dilemma for Gary O'Neill Jeffo? Yeah I think you pretty much said it right there I mean he Joe Gomez is that more tenacious player. He puts his body about a little bit more. Tommy Doyle is more of a footballer's football. You know, like he passes the ball well, drops into pockets of space, nice quick passing. And against Man United in the past, where we've come unstuck is where players like Casemiro 
McTominay. They've bullied players like Moutinho in the past and Nevers, and they've got in and around it, and they've had more physicality. So having a Joe Gomez in there who can fight and alongside Lamina, and you've got two massive warriors in the centre of midfield, they could carry the game on their own. They could win the game on their own. And, and against Chelsea going into the weekend, you probably will need your Tommy Doyle because against them, they haven't got that sort of bite in the midfield. Enzo Fernandez, you know, he's, he's there and, you know, you've got other players in the midfield that they, they, they won't want to fight in the same way. So having somebody who can pass the ball a little bit quicker in that sort of game would be more crucial. Yeah, so, that's, that's my Man United, you want to fight them? You want to fight them? I think that was one of the big things for me on the opening game of the season, Andy, was the battle between... Jao Gomez and Casemiro, obviously young, young Brazilian coming against, you know, experienced Brazilian. It's going to be another battle, which I'd like to see uh, tomorrow night. But does Tommy Doyle stay in for you? He probably does, if I'm honest, um, purely because I don't like to change a settled team. Tommy Doyle's been doing really well. I like. I know you've put uh, Ike Nuri in there and I love Ike Nuri. I think he's amazing. I think I'll stick with Doherty. I think I'll stick with the team that started against Albion, if I'm yeah. being perfectly honest, just because it's got a bit of momentum going behind it. So do you go with it? But you are right, because the match at Old Trafford, Casemiro didn't want it. Gomez, like, he, he had him on toast. He just did not want that fight, and Gomez knew it. So it, that's that's the key in that match. If those Man United midfielders don't turn up like they didn't really turn up at Old Trafford, they're fucked because you'll just run straight through them and get at them, especially when our strength really is on ball carrying when you've got Neto and Cunha. So that's going to be a massive, massive battle in that middle of the park. It's, it is a massive dilemma. I, I, I don't envy Gary O'Neill having his managerial duties tomorrow. Where do you stand on the 8 Nori uh, matt Doherty dilemma, Tom? You know, I, I literally saw that and I thought, yeah, actually, this is a team. People, when Andy said Doherty... I think I agree. And the only reason I would probably ordinarily look, if I had to pick one left back, I'd go, right, let's go eight, Norway. But I think that you're going to get more of a solid performance out of Doherty. And as the game progresses, I think eight, Norway coming off the bench can tweak you a little bit more, especially if we're drawing or we're behind because he's got that more attacking prowess, especially as they start to tire. Um, so I would probably go Doherty, solid, um, and then probably being out Norway, but to be honest, I'd be happy either way. It's, it's not gonna, I'm not gonna be alarmed when I, you know, when I see the lineup. But in terms of the midfield, I think I would, I would go with Gomez just because I think if you stop, although he's, a, although he's a, he's a right prat, if you stop Fernandez pulling the strings, you've pretty much just stopped them because Gonacho and Anthony are all fart, no poo. But Fernandez is the one that's going to be slotting in the through balls and pulling the strings, as I say. So put Gomez against Casemiro, Lamina, Fernandez, stop that, centre of the pitch. You've pretty much nullified them. And with Neto getting at Varane and Dallo, he's going to have them on toast. He'll go past them like nothing, straight like a knife through butter. Yeah, it is, it is going to be another... Classic. The uh, the game is going to be won in in the midfield tomorrow. Uh, one of the other sort of noticeable um, changes that I've made in that starting eleven for Wolves is is Pablo Sarabia in for Jean Victor Belgard, which in hindsight I, I feel like I've been really harsh to Belgard because I thought he was one of our better players on on Sunday. He, he won us a few fouls on, on the break, giving our defence a bit of respite. I remember him giving the ball away too many times. I thought in previous months he's he's looked a bit sort of weak in the um 
in the tussle in a few games, but I thought he, he really put himself about on Sunday. Um, who starts for you, Alvaro, in, on, on the right? Uh, Jeff Sarabia or Belgard? For me, I think Sarabia should come back in. Um, my issue with Belgard is just consistency. You, you have you can have a very good player turn up for one week, and then it just he drops it's, it drops down to being a three two out of ten the next week. And it, Sarabia in before Sunday has just been on an absolute tear. You know he's he's really proved the qualities that he has got, and he's he's shown that he can adapt in games and adapt to what O'Neill wants to do. And he's been consistent. He's been seven out of ten every week for the past two months, two or three months, and. Bellegarde, he's come back from injury. He's struggled to put two, three really good performances together. And, you know, I don't want to say it's just West Brom, but that their quality of what they want to do in terms of defenders is not, you know, it's not what we're going to be facing, at the, you know, tomorrow night. So I think Sarabia probably has a little bit more quality, especially to influence the game and to put um, more important passes through and have key passes in the game. I think Sarabia will do that more. Looking at that, that Man United lineup, obviously for the audio listeners, they've got Luke Shaw, uh, Lysandro Martinez, Varane and Dallo at the back. Uh, Kobe Mainu and Casemiro in the midfield too, with Fernandez behind Garnacho, Hoyland and, and Anthony. Who's the threat there for you, Tom? Who are you concerned about tomorrow? I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's Bruno Fernandez. I think yeah. one of you mentioned it uh, earlier. If, if he pulls, if he if he plays like sort of seven, eight out of ten, we will have a bit of a tough night. But who else stands out for you? You know what, though, I'm looking at that. And this is Man United, and I'm getting, I know I'm getting over, I'm getting carried away because we beat Albion. But I'm looking at the team, and I'm going, do I prefer Anthony or Neto? Do I prefer Casemiro or Gomez? Do I prefer Manu or Lamina? And a lot of the times, I'm picking. I mean, I know I'm biased, but I'm looking at that, thinking, God, they're no great shakes, are they? Um, for me. I think you just stop, stop Fernandez. I think he's the one, although he's a right prat, stop Fernandez and pulling the strings. Um, Garnacho, he's pacey, could get me in behind Samado, arguably, could be a slight concern. That side, I mean, Hoyland, I mean, he's, you know, I know he could be irrelevant of his price tag, but has is he, is he that, that major of a threat? I'll say that now, probably jinx him, he'll score tomorrow. But I think if you just stop the number 10 position, Lamina Gomez, crunch that, get the ball out wide, get Neto running at Dallo and Varane down that. Sarabia may be coming a little bit closer to Kuna. Um, I think that that would be more than enough because we're so solid defensively. And if we just keep that... That, that you know, and let those front three go at them, go at them with such pace. The way Cooney travels with the ball as well, I think we should, you know, te- which technically we should be cutting them apart. Is what, what I would say. Keep it stop number ten. Keep it nice and tight at the back, and let the front three do their thing. And I think that will get you two one. Yeah, I, I think the most sort of exciting area for me tomorrow. Is, this, I think this is the reason why I went without Norin instead of Doherty. You can go to us. A, sort of a, a back four with Samad Al-Kilman, Dawson and Totti to hopefully handle that front three of Garnacho, Holland and Anthony. I, I feel like that, sh- that should be uh, not reasonably comfortable, but I'd, I'd back those four against those three nine times out of ten, which then we're overloading them on our, on our left then with eight, Nori Cunha and Neto against Varane Dallo. Yeah. Not, not bundles of pace. Lysandro Martinez is... Um, He's just a little rat, really, and he's he, he's small, he's physical, doesn't mind leaving a foot in. And then 
when the opportunity does come, if you've got Sarabia having acres of space to sort of pick passes in in behind for Neto and Cunha, like Tom just said, you look at man for man on that screen there, and I don't see why with our current home form we can't be picking up a good result tomorrow, Jeffo. Yeah, I mean, let's say we've we're at a level now where we're expecting results, and it just it speaks volumes of what the coaching staff are doing and what the, sort of what the players are doing on the pitch, and you've got players there who kind of as the game evolves and as we go into different formations as we, as we do and as we have been doing with the sort of going into the back four and transitioning into attack you've got players who can pick up in different pockets Sarabia can come into the 10 you've got Neto who can stay wide Ainuri can come forward as sort of even into a wing position that we give teams overloads in different areas and it adds a little bit of chaos a little bit of confusion to games and that's how we're creating chances which is good because it, it we're offering something different every game or every attack. Players are taking up different areas and teams don't know how to defend against us and, and these patterns that we do and how we transition balls quickly and we play this quick counter-attacking football. People's, they can't set up and they can't have a default defensive lineup against us because we do things in such weird and wonderful ways, which speaks testament to what Gary O'Neill and Sean Derry are doing. Massively. Tom... I, I did hear you moments ago saying you're you're predicting Wolves to win two one tomorrow. What's your score prediction, Andy? Are you there, Andrew? Are you lost in the ether, Andrew? <laughs> Jeffo, your score prediction for tomorrow night? Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm going to be two 0 win. I just we're on uh, epic form. I cannot not the lads at the moment. <clears throat> for me, the only the only danger in that United side is going to show. Um, he's the one who who can really make make some dangerous plays down that left hand side. So, uh, their left hand side, but Kilman, Samado, they should be able to lock it down. Hopefully, but I can't see uh, I can't see him getting anything United. I just don't see uh, don't see us giving up goals at the moment, which is nice. Yeah, like I mentioned, we're we're unbeaten in, in seven now. We've got a good home record. That um, like I mentioned earlier, that the, the, the the momentum that we're building as a team and a club and a fan base at the moment. There's no reason why we can't do well the back end of this season. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not predicting us to go and win the FA Cup, finish in Europe. But so you're not? No, for the for the reason that <laughs> I don't I don't I don't want to jinx oh, yeah. boys. <laughs> there's no there's no harm in that. I, I believe this this team can do really well, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to put pressure on this squad because the objective still at the start of the season was was to stay up. Mathematically, you, you, you'd like to think that we're pretty much comfortable now. But I think like a, a few of the players have mentioned this week, I think Matt Doherty mentioned it on, on, on Wolves Weekly, they've, they've still got to take it a game at a time. And I think as long as they can keep in that mindset, there's there's no reason we can't finish 7th, 8th. The really isn't. If we beat Man United tomorrow, we go above them. We've got Chelsea on Sunday. I think if you know what, Tom, if we could take four points at the next two games, yeah, we can. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. What's your um, sort of mindset for the, the rest of the season? Currently, Jeff, can we, how far can we go in the cup and the league for you? Well, I'm, I'm looking at it, I, I can't see why we couldn't possibly get to another semi final. I think that's an easy thing to kind of look at and say, yeah, we can focus on that. But for me, I don't see why if we the next two games are crucial. We get four points, like you say, at the next two games. 
we put ourselves in contention between us and West Ham is is a limited amount of points. Whether it's four or five points between us and West Ham, who are sitting in sixth. If we keep consistency, we keep players fit, we could easily finish in a European place if we work hard enough and we get the results that we deserve. If it wasn't so, for VAR, would be there. Yeah, and the, the, the thing is, you have to kind of like do what's in front of you and fight, for, you know, and and, play, and get the results that required. And sadly, you know, outside factors do come into play with like VAR, like you say. But we're where we are on merit now, and you know, we could be further up. But where we are sitting in the table, I'm quite over the moon because you look at it at the start of the season at where we were in terms of the Lopetegui saga and how how O'Neill came in and how well he's been able to sort of put his own stamp on a team and, and his own system into place during a season. There's not many managers that could do that. And that actually speaks testament that we've got a, a you know a young English manager in who can do that. And we should be proud of what we're achieving so far. But if we do end up with something like a deep into the cup run or we, we finish in European place, then O'Neill has to be manager of the season. And we should be absolutely proud of every player that's pulled on a shirt this season for Wolves because they've done us fucking proud. It's, it's massive what Gary's building at the moment. You're looking sort of the recent months. It's only really the, the Nottingham Forest home performance, which, which is a bit of a blip from a, a mentality point of view because the resilience that he's brought to the squad. Obviously, we picked up a draw away at Brighton. I thought we could have won that on a, on a, on a different offer. It was a bit more clinical with the chances that were created. Um, beating the Albion on Sunday. We're winning games in the past we probably wouldn't have done. And we're now picking up points against the the big the better teams. Obviously, beating Man City and Tottenham at home this season is uh, was big wins. There's belief building. Like I said, m- momentum is a big thing in football. Seven games unbeaten. Man United at home next. Fans are on side after the Albion game. Um, Andrew, I believe you're back now with us. I believe you're on mute this time, Andy. Hope so. Yeah, I think I'm back. <laughs> yeah, you, but you look. We had you in a bit of a. Um, in a bit of a trance, I can only think it's just how impressed you are with, with that Wolves lineup on the screen. What's your score prediction for tomorrow night? I think I agree with Tom. I think 2-1. I think, yeah, 2-1 will win. It's a big game tomorrow night. But there's plenty of drinking time pre-match. So, Wolves, Molyneux, under the lights. Uh, is it quarter to our kick-off tomorrow, guys? Quarter past eight, I think. Yeah. Quarter past eight, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. Big game tomorrow night, and then we travel to Chelsea away on Sunday. Four points, and it starts. It start thinking about renewing your passports, guys, because for me, <laughs> Brighton and West Ham, their European campaign begins in March. They're going to start dropping points in the league because of you know squad depth. Um, Newcastle, there they had a big win at the Villa last night. The, the wheels have fallen off at Villa. Uh, I saw a few uh, hashtag Emery out tweets last night on X. Um, <laughs> one of them was by me, but that's a, that's for a different time and place. Um, so I think if we win tomorrow, I think we're 11 points behind the Villa. We've got to play them away. That's at least a point because we've that we've got the hoodoo over Villa. There's no reason we can't catch Villa in this um, these last few furlongs of the season, Wolves fans. So I ain't gonna sleep tonight, Dad. You got me pumped now. That's it. <laughs> Up the fucking wafflers, we're back. Thanks for joining us on the Wolves Fancast match preview tonight in association with Shoot Music, uh, Audi and the Boston Coffee Company. I believe we'll be back. Um, are we back tomorrow night? No, maybe Friday, Saturday or Sunday to review 
um, the Man United game. So uh, be sure to check us out at Wolves Fancast and all across social media. Please drop a like on the um, the episode before you leave. We thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and come on the Wolves tomorrow night. See you later. <laughs>